0: just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green-white and ride. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod here to discuss MSU's upcoming game against the lowly Michigan Wolverines at the Breslin Center. Before we begin, a quick word of thanks for all of you who support the show via one-time gifts and on a recurring basis. A special thanks to Patreon supporters at the Mateen Cleves level, Bill Church, Brian O'Donnell, and Chad Hickey, and those of the Draymond Green supporters, Adam Wolzak, Dan Frank Rankin, James Benton, Jim L, Michael Bosnick, Paul Marsh, and Scott Driscoll, as well as Rich Wagner and Kenneth Kremit on Substack, and all of you who support at the Scott Skiles level as well. If you appreciate the MSU content we crank out, head on over to the final slash support to reach the necessary links. A good reason to sign up at the website to get on the email list is to get reminders like for our temporary store to get logo to apparel. Per- we have a wider selection this time and not only does it look great and feel great, uh, but everything is getting sold at cost. T-shirts, hoodies, quarter zip pullovers for men and women, full zip sweatshirts, sweatshirts, and even tote bags if you didn't get enough donating to your local PBS channel. Uh, they're all available. The store closes at fi- uh, February 5th at 8 p.m. So if you want some show gear, put your order in now. You can get to that at www.nudgeprinting.com slash T-F-F-I-N-O-T-S, or you can also get a link to that on our support page. I think it's the second link down, the second picture. So it kind of sounds like our support page is the good place to hang out, wouldn't you say? All right. Well, let's talk about the Wounded Wolverines as Tom Izzo once again looks to capture his 700th career victory. It's time to start a new winning streak, and there will probably be no better way than thumping U of M. Michigan is... 7-13 overall, 2-7 in the conference, coming off a 10-point loss at home to Iowa in Ann Arbor on Saturday. The Wolverines are 86 in Ken Palm and 96 in the net, one spot ahead of Minnesota. <laughs> in other words, they're not going to do anything after the Big Ten tournament's over. On offense, they're 47th overall, which is not too bad, uh, and probably better than we expected, certainly from our preview shows, but they've been a very good three-point shooting team at 37.2% but they're mediocre inside the arc at 106. They're okay offensive rebounding team at 93, uh, but really have struggled with turnovers. Uh, They're ranked 171st in turnover percentage for possessions. They've shot free throws decently, but only at um, 71%, so they don't get their whole lot. They're 228th in free throw attempts per field goal attempts. What is surprising, and what we did not expect when we were doing the previous show this summer, is the defense has been really bad. They're ranked 167th, which... uh, for a team that's been pretty decent defensively in the past, Jawan Howard, defensive background, coming out of the NBA, they added two guys in the portal, uh, Kimora and Burnett, who had good reputations as individual defenders. They came from good defensive programs, and they've been bad. <laughs> they replaced people who were bad, uh, at least Dickinson and Jett, the Jet with two Ts. Howard, uh, they were both bad defensive players, and so on, on average, we expect them to be a lot better to have Dickinson's minutes going to Teresh Reed, who looked like he was going to be pretty good defensively as a freshman. Well, anyway, obviously none of this really worked out. They were almost as bad as Iowa. Uh, last year, they finished 168th, and so Michigan is knocking on the door of, how, of bad Iowa defense. And uh, they give up 36% of, from three to opponents. They limit attempts to, to 48th, uh, but they're only 149th against two-point shots. Bad defensive rebounding team at 250. They don't turn anybody over. And they're one of the worst 10 teams in America in the steal percentage. And they're 133rd in free throw attempts to field goal attempt by opponents. So they tend to foul a lot. And boy, if you watch the Iowa game, they fouled a lot. So they're just bad news all over. Uh, they're also a slow team overall, slow in offense, both at 207. And teams play pretty fast, fast against them at 67 in length of average offensive possession against, which may in some way be contributed by the fact they turn the ball over so much. Yeah, Yeah, this is,
1: it's been very, (laughs) to say it's been a strange year in Ann Arbor is stretching the limitations of that word. (laughs) Um, You know, you start with the fact that Juwan Howard was not able to coach the team in the beginning of the season due to heart surgery, very serious and legitimate reason to not be coaching them. So his lead assistant, Phil Martelli, who obviously is a guy with a lot of experience as a head coach, uh, ran the ship. But what's been in his absence, but what was weird about that is the transition of Juwan back into his role at head coach kind of seemed to come in fits and starts. And then after it had finally been firmly reestablished that Juwan was back, he turns around and has Phil Martelli designated as the head coach for their game against Penn State at the Palestra. Now, in a, in a normal season, you might have looked at that and said, wow what a, what a magnanimous gesture. That's a cool thing because, of course, for those who don't know, <laughs> Phil Martelli was the longtime head coach at St. Joseph's another school that plays in Philadelphia and plays a certain percentage of their games at the Palestra. So if it was a normal season right. you say well that... but it was not a normal season. It's been a completely chaotic disastrous season. So instead it just looked like one more what the fuck are they doing kind of moment out of uh, out of Michigan. And you then go to the the fight with, and it varies depending upon who you talk to as to whether it ever got physical or not with their longtime strength and conditioning coach, John Sanderson, um, which pretty clearly has had a, a, uh, has been a, 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 problem, a fracture within that, that program, um, that incident earlier mm-hmm. this year. And again, accounts vary as to the whys and wherefores of that. Um, you have the Doug McDaniel situation and we're assuming for the purposes of this preview that they're adhering to what they said and their various weird statements that they issued about this, which by the way, the first one of those (laughs) dealing with his academic ineligibility um, came from the player and it had some choice language in it that had to later be censored. Uh, And then the school followed after that. It's just, we're assuming he's not playing because the statements indicated he would be sitting out the next six road games that in and of itself, he plays at home, but not on the road. That's your That's where you're dealing with an academic problem. That's bizarre. Um, the whole thing has just from, from start to finish, been weird. And it's also been, as you outlined at the start of this discussion, Really, really unproductive on the floor. Uh, Another weird thing, although it pales in comparison to some of the things we've we've already mentioned here, they are exactly the opposite of what not just us, but I think most people who view college (laughs) basketball thought they would be. The thinking was they've lost Dickinson. They've lost Jet with nine T's. Uh And they've lost Kobe Bufkin, all to the end. Well, two to the NBA and Dickinson to Kansas. Yeah. There's no way that their offense isn't going to take a significant step back. And in fact, even counting the, the new players, the transfers they brought in, there wasn't much of anything in the way of proven shooting. And so you looked at said, boy, this this is a team that's going to have to win ugly. But I, for one, had some faith that they might actually be able to do that at a decent level because even though they had holes defensively the last 2 years and they did by the end of those seasons they were able to get to a point that they were at least you know joining rejoining the human race defensively uh last year it helped that jet with 14 tees sat out Uh, a number of games kind of in the mid-late portion of the season, and they got markedly better Mm -hmm. with him off the floor, even having to play Dickinson. Uh, Part of that was that Terrace Reed, who was a freshman last year, was playing a bigger role, and he was really good defensively, shockingly good as a freshman, because you just don't expect freshman bigs to be competent. It usually takes those guys – a while to get their legs underneath them. It didn't seem to with him. So so there's that. There's the fact that these guys were being replaced to some degree by players who had much better defensive pedigrees. Olivier Kamua uh, came from Tennessee. Rick Barnes's Tennessee is a great defensive program year in, year out, and he in particular had a reputation as a very good defensive power forward. Namari Burnett, and a McDonald's All-American who has not lived up to that billing in stops at Texas Tech and Alabama before he got to, Mich- to Michigan. But that's mostly been about offense. Defensively, he's been a very good player, and so and and again, I mentioned Terrace Reed basically soaking up Dickinson's minutes. On this team, you, you had good reason to look at this and say, okay, they've improved. At, a, at multiple positions in terms of their defensive capability. And Jawan Howard is a guy with a defensive background. That's what he was in his assistant role at Miami. He was a defensive specialist. That was the That was the part of the game that he focused on. So, you know, I think there was really sound reason to think, hey, they could be pretty good defensively, and that's where they're going to have to win games. They're going to have to win a lot of games. In say the high fifties, low sixties. They're gonna. Have, that's how they're gonna have to play. Instead, it's been the complete right. opposite. They're actually scoring at a pretty good clip. Yeah. They're not a great offensive team by any means. Uh, for all the criticism the Michigan State gets offensively, Michigan State is checks in significantly better than Michigan on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. But they're but they're a solid offensive team and they shoot the three well in particular. Defensively. They have been an abject disaster. I don't think anyone in the country saw this coming. You could say, well, okay, maybe they're not a great defensive team, and that would have been a total shocker if it had worked out that eh, they were just okay. But nobody saw this. I want to clarify the point you made about comparisons to Iowa. Iowa last year, we talk about Iowa as kind of the negative standard bearer for defense in the Big Ten during the <laughs> Fran McCaffrey era. Because it's it's true. They're usually the worst defensive yeah. team in the league, or damn near so. Um, Iowa last year finished 168 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency. That was, I believe, the second worst season. It was either the second or third worst season in the Fran McCaffrey era, one of the two. So that's a program that's perpetually bad defensively, and it's one of the worst seasons they've had in that run. Michigan is currently 167. That puts it all or (laughs) should put it all into perspective as to how bad they are. And by the way, their schedule gets tougher in the second half. It's been the easy part thus far. So the odds are there's every chance that that defensive ranking is going to get worse, not better because they're going to be playing better opponents. You put all this together and it it's been an ugly picture. They they don't rebound well. They're a truly awful defensive team and they're they're good offensively overall mostly because of that deep shooting. But it, that's not nearly enough to overcome these weaknesses and and that's how you get to the kind of season they're having where they're what seven and 13 they've won two games in the league I I can tell you I believe and and this is worth the paper it's not printed (laughs) on but uh according you know Ken Palm is a um has projections for how the rest of the season will go based on where they and their opponents stand currently and I believe the projection is Michigan will win two games at home. One was against Rutgers, and I forget who the other was against. Probably either Penn State or or Minnesota, I would guess.
0: They lost to Minnesota. And that's I think. it.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's somebody else. Rutgers was one of them, but they're projecting two more wins. That would be a four and sixteen season. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I've I've seen this mentioned, and I, I honestly do think there's some truth to it. For Michigan basketball in my lifetime, I would say the low point was the Brian Ellerby era. Exactly. And I think there's a pretty good argument that this is lower. Now there's still time for it to change, but I also don't see a lot of reason to suspect it's going to change. You know, they'll they'll be better. They'll be better if on the court, if they have Doug McDaniel out there full time, obviously, mm-hmm. and we assume that's going to happen right. at some point. But they were losing with him. It's not like, oh, this is a sudden turn <laughs> of events, and now they're losing games they were winning before. They were bad with him. They're losing games at home with him now, you know, so that's not gonna that's not gonna solve anything and by, and by the way, that's supposedly another fracture I, I talked about this litany of problems that the, there's a lot of reason to think that the team is not particularly paying attention to their head yeah. coach right now uh there's been talk, and again substantiating this stuff is difficult but it's worth mentioning because we're seeing such a bad product on the court you figure something has to be going on uh, I have seen speculation that uh there are fractures in the team in terms of how they view the Doug McDaniel situation Mm -hmm. being handled, that there are people who think he's been coddled. And I think there's a case for that uh, based on the little bit that we do know it's, it's just an ungodly mess. And, and, and by the way, we haven't even mentioned until I'm going to mention it right now. (laughs) There's looming over all of this is the specter of, incidents that multiple incidents plural that Juan Howard has had in recent seasons leading yeah. up to this one where he's been unable to maintain control and you know all the rest of that which is all well known to I'm sure just about everybody listening to this so when you look at the total picture it's to to say that this is getting into Ellerby territory I don't think is hyperbolic I really don't and And you have to wonder where they go from here as a Michigan state fan. I want them to keep (laughs) Juwan Howard. Yeah. Because he's shown no indication that he's likely to make this program significantly better. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't see the reasons why that's, that's something that you would, you would evaluate as being likely. I think you're right. You know, I, I, but I don't know where they're going to go because this is a program. You know, I've seen it. I've seen Michigan, some Michigan slappies refer to this as Jawan's COVID year. So they're comparing it to the 2020 nosedive that Jim Harbaugh took. And they say, well, that likely means, you know, Jawan's going to get another chance to get this right. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, I really do. And, you know, obviously, you know why I'm saying that. It's because I don't believe he will. And and the fact is, if you're a Michigan State fan, you shouldn't root for Jawan Howard to be run out of town, because that that means there's a chance that they could stumble into somebody better.
0: Yeah. Well, at this point, that's likely. And who
1: who (laughs) wants that? Very likely. Right. How could you be worse? How could you be worse? But but you know, even if you take even if you take this season out of it, even if you do say, look. This season shouldn't even count. He wasn't healthy enough to coach in the beginning. And then A, B, yeah. and C happened. Okay. Right this, right this year off. You look at last year, they don't make the NCAA tournament. You look despite the fact they had two first round draft picks and a guy number who one was, transfer. Yeah. Uh, considered to be the best guy. Right. The best guy in the portal. Right. Uh, year before that, they barely scrape into the NCAA tournament. So we had had two years of significantly declining fortunes that were were demonstrating a, a negative trend going into yeah. this season. So if you're a Michigan State fan, I think you have to look at it as yeah, keep Juwan, give him a lifetime contract, <laughs> keep him forever, because he's not he's not shown that he's up for the task of returning this program to the kind of, you know, relative consistency that they had under John Beeline. I think I think some Michigan fans lose a little bit of perspective in terms of the up and down that actually was the case during Beeline's tenure. But th- there's no question that he had that program in a spot where more years than not, you were going to look at them as a team in the mix at the top yeah. of the Big Ten. They would have the occasional year where they might not make the tournament or they'd slip and be mediocre. But more often than not, it was the the most sustained success they'd had in a long, long time. And, you know, th- th- there's no indication that Juwan Howard is capable at this stage. No indication that he's capable at all of getting them back to those levels. So you want them to stay. I don't know. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a really interesting one to watch, you know, to see how they handle it in this offseason because it's hard to imagine they don't have many, many more losses coming. And listen, I think I think it's possible. I wouldn't bet the house on it, but I think it's possible they don't get to double digit wins overall. I mean, they're at seven right now, so you have to figure that's gonna mean at least three wins in the in the last eleven big 10 regular season games and then at least yeah. one big You're at Ten least that tournament first game,
0: game. in a tournament is probably an easier team so you have a reasonable chance of a neutral court winning that it
1: is and on a neutral court yeah. but they, they got to find three <laughs> right. and as i said the schedule the schedule is going to be tougher than what they've played already so that is that's yeah. in jeopardy the idea of getting double digit wins which is a it's yeah. a hell of a state. Well, I,
0: I guess you know my way. thoughts right now. As far as Jawan Howard goes, uh, I don't know that I think he's as bad as Ellerby. Bell, Ellerby, sort of from success standpoint, uh, the only because he was successful early in his in his tenure, uh, you could say that's because he had Beeline's players. And I hey, think that's
1: Ellerby. Hey, wait a minute, Ellerby. Ellerby won a Big Ten tournament title.
0: Oh, I didn't remember that. Okay, in his right. first
1: year. Yeah, it was the year Michigan State won the regular season oh, title then flopped right. yeah, in yeah. the quarters. It was the, the first Big 10 tournament. Ellerby won that. And they were I don't, I don't remember where they finished in the regular season, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, Ellerby could win with other guys players too.
0: Well, and then you know, I guess the other thing with with Jawan, uh, strange things that he, even when he was assistant coach, which was kind of weird, I think it was strange that he was Serving as assistant, but still traveling with the team, and he got the double text yeah. in the one game. I don't know where it was, somewhere on the road, um, and you know got tossed from yep. a game as the assistant. So clearly, you know he was still the head coach, even though because I, I mean, I can't remember that how many instances I've seen an assistant coach get two technos. I've seen it occasionally with a, you know, gets teed up, but not twice to get tossed from a game on two separate occasions. Right. It's not like one no. incident where the guy just just went bananas, right? Uh, so that was crazy. Right. And then, yeah, the the whole fact that he's had this, the angry issues, we've talked about this ever since the incident with uh, with Wisconsin, where it had, obviously it started earlier with Mark Turgeon, with the words expressed. Um, yep.
1: That was the first one where it was blatantly yes, but, up. Yeah, because, where he yeah. It
0: struck someone. And the zero tolerance policy, and whatever it is that was going on with the strength and conditioning coach and his problems on the court, you got a very stressful season, unsuccessful. His, uh, I think his jace is what i think this is his last year probably isn't it or he may have a year or something so. but i believe he's done uh, I, yeah it i mean my feeling is the way it's going to work out is that there's going to have a mutual parting of ways at the end of the season i'm not sure what i think it'd probably be like a retirement for health reasons i mean there are all kinds of reasons you could say and maybe there's some truth to them i don't know uh but maybe he'll find himself somewhere else like in the pro basketball or maybe it will just be just yeah. walk up in the sunset I find it, I would be shocked if he comes back next year. Anything's possible. Uh, but I just, the the way the program looks, the way it's, I, I don't think they've much for recruiting next year. I I don't know. There's just nothing about that program is coming off is that you're going to be a lot better next year.
1: Well, it's, it, it, disarray yeah. is a good word to describe it because that's what it's, it's, it's negatively chaotic in <laughs> yeah. Ann Arbor right now with this thing. I mean, that's just an accurate, depiction uh i don't know i mean the the, it takes it takes somebody with real self-awareness to walk away from it under these kind of circumstances and say hey i'm just not getting it done i'm not doing myself or anybody else any favors i'm gonna i'm gonna walk away um I don't know that I've seen the kind of things from Jawan Howard that would lead you to believe he's that kind of guy. Uh, So if that's the case, if I'm right about that, which again, admittedly is a wild guess, then it would come down to, do you believe Michigan's athletic department, their administration is willing, capable, inclined to lean on him and say, look, you got to go. We don't want to fire you. Right. we'd rather this but but we will if we have to cuz that's what would have to happen if i'm right about howard not seeing that seeing it that way and i don't think there's a lot of reason to believe either with this current group or the way michigan's athletic department historically deals with basketball to believe that that's likely um yeah this uh, i mean i can go through the history i won't but you know it cuts two ways on the one hand the line has always been the powers that be at michigan ultimately just don't want basketball to have any meltdowns and reflect negatively upon the school like they don't care enough to truly compete with the big boys they'll take it if they can get it and they're about, you know, in the old days, there were always enough people with bags of money around the program (laughs) that, you know, they did have some very competitive, it's true. They were one of the true outlaw programs nationally. Everybody who knows their from that period knows that. Um, but, but that didn't mean the school cared, you know, it it was, it was, it's always football, football, football there. So the idea was, that's why John B line was just about note perfect for that school because he would be competitive and had some very, very good teams, but was never going to do anything to embarrass the school. Never. And that's really what they, that's why a lot of those old timers really had problems with the bill Frieder and especially Steve Fisher regimes, because they did do things yeah. that were perceived to be embarrassing. Well, you look at this, the Juan Howard tenure has been nothing but embarrassment after embarrassment, right? Yeah. You would think that would be enough, but, I'm not seeing if that alone were enough, he'd have been gone before now they had reasons. I mean, the Wisconsin thing was enough of a reason full stop. They could have, they had every justification to get rid of him after that. And they did. not And, and they've, they've let this season unfold with all its myriad bizarre. And in- the, the Sanderson thing would seem to be another, from what I understand about it, that would be another example yeah. where, Uh, an administration inclined to get rid of him had enough. They could have said, you know, we put this together with all the other crap that came before it. Let's just call it on this thing. Yeah. You know, let's get everybody fresh start. They didn't do it. So I am inclined to be from Missouri on this one. (laughs) I'm going to believe they get rid of him when I see it happen. You know?
0: Yeah. And I
1: think the fact, I think the fact that he's an alum, He's, you know, part of a, an era that, you know, for better or for worse ha, is deified in the minds of, of some of the people who actually do care about the sport there. Um, I think that also complicates it as, as a similar situation would anywhere, you know, some of the, it's one of the reasons why hiring great former players, man, it's a double-edged sword as a head coach it's a double-edged sword because if they can make it work it's fantastic but if it's not working boy then you're dealing with all kinds of psychological stuff to get rid of them yeah you know and um I just don't know that I believe that they're there yet maybe but we'll, we'll see which one of us is right
0: all right well it'll be certainly interesting to see what happens uh yeah I guess I guess you know my assumption was always that Joan would be back but you're right there are plenty of reasons to to imagine that he is back next year. Although if you were to do and make an unpopular decision, like getting rid of someone from the Fab Five, maybe a year where you win the national championship in football might be an easier year to do that, but maybe then you can ignore it for The other year I mean, you can make an argument either way, I suppose. It's It's
1: really hard, I think, to sort it out as to what's likely to happen because I actually don't know that it would be so unpopular because I think Michigan fans are extremely extremely frustrated yes they are where things are at you'd have to be so i don't think i don't think firing Juwan would provoke a storm of outrage in the michigan fan base such as it is um but on the other hand i just i look at their track record and i think well i i don't know if i believe that they're gonna i i guess almost what i think is that i would i would feel I would feel more confident that he was in a, a prove it, you know, do or die type situation. If he had gotten some kind of equivalent to the M. Peter McPherson, you must have an outstanding season line that he gave to George Perlis. Yeah. You know, the year before he fired him or or kind of what Michigan did with Harbaugh coming off the COVID year where they they cut his salary. <laughs> yeah. You know. um. Yeah it feels to me like that's the thing that's more likely to happen this off season than an outright firing, but who can tell? Cause that's a, that's an athletic department that you, you would go broke trying to predict everything they're going to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's definitely, uh, you know, they've had plenty of cause, like you mentioned before for firing this season. Yeah. And they have not, and they, they didn't done do it. it. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to talk about the players on Michigan. Uh, this is, is brought to you by the Brothers Adjust Your Gutters, sponsoring our player that Michigan State has to keep in the gutter. The Brothers Adjust Your Gutters on both West Side and the Metro Detroit area should be your first stop for getting work on your gutters. It's not glamorous, but they specialize just in your gutters, downspouts, those sorts of things, leaf guards. Whatever you need, they can do it, whether it's your business or your residence. Uh, they will replace them, they'll clean them out, they'll repair them. Again, whatever the job is, it's not too small or too big for the brothers that just do gutters. They came and did my house. They did my wife's work. They made some like 30 foot long section of gutter for her work, which no one else wanted to come out and just put one section of gutter on. They came out and did it uh, super quickly, uh, efficiently, and they're very professional, super friendly people too when they come to work. And they work in just about any weather as long as it's not like totally dangerous. So they were out when it was miserable weather in February last year for our house and took care of everything. So uh, you can definitely check it, take a, take a look, check them out. 10% off if you mentioned Final Four on your estimate. You can find links to that at the support page. That's tffinots.com slash support. There you can find ways to get an estimate either from Kurt and his team out in the Grand Rapids area or Greg and his team in the Metro Detroit, the southeast side of the state. All right, so we'll begin with the starters. Jaden Llewellyn, who was the uh, transfer they brought in last year, a two transfer from Princeton, missed most of last year with, I think it was an ACL injury, wasn't it? And then um, uh-huh. yep. started this year, Hurt, He and he's really never been been up to speed really even this season i feel kind of bad for the kid he came all the way out here and it's really never worked out so he's gonna be the point guard starter because doug mcdaniel as you mentioned earlier we expect that he's not playing (laughs) we expect that the 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 uh, road ban includes east lansing but there's some people suspecting it's more of a state of michigan so who knows you know they're making up the rules as it go along as it is he's only played in 10 games only averaging 12 minutes a game scores 4.3 points a game on 46 53 and 50 shooting a very limited volume, obviously. He has 10 assists to 13 turnovers, which is not great numbers for a point guard.
1: <laughs> His, the, the story of, of Jaden LaFleur there, uh, I think is both an indictment of the Howard regime and also a story that, and I'm raising this because I've seen in the Michigan State uh, online fan base at least as was probably entirely predictable after the loss at Wisconsin, <laughs> um, the wringing of hands and the gnashing of teeth and the rending of garments has been in full effect. And there we're back to this question of the transfer portal, since that is the obvious solution for everybody now. Yep. Yeah. One, one thing that I find funny, it's true of Michigan as well, but it's true of many other teams. Lots and lots of teams add multiple guys in the portal every year. Um, if you look around the big Ten this year, I would I'd have to go through it to be certain, but I'm reasonably certain I'm right about this that um, well over half of the teams in the conference have added at least two guys from the portal this season. Yeah. but somebody's got to lose these games too, right? So what? this idea that some <laughs> I know that somehow that's an automatic answer is well not supportable because somebody's losing games too and if everybody's doing the same thing or most everybody is somebody's also losing uh michigan would fit that category but i I bring it up here specifically because michigan had doug mcdaniel as a recruit and that was fine if you remember they had a guy named frankie collins who was a freshman two years ago and at the end of the year was playing pretty well for Michigan. I remember it because I had to sit in that dank (laughs) pile of dun they call Chrysler Arena and watch him and his teammates tear Michigan State up. And so he was playing pretty good basketball that year. And they had signed McDaniel, but that was fine. That was all known and understood. So it was, you know, Collins had a year on McDaniel. He would have obviously been the starter coming back. But they went out and added the Llewellyn. And to make it worse, we're openly talking about him as a guy who could and would play point guard. Yeah, Collins left almost immediately, transferred to Arizona State. Now, I'm not here to say that Frankie Collins has become a superstar. But Frankie Collins has done some things well at Arizona State. And he unquestionably would have been a better option to have last year and this year. Even if Llewellyn had been healthy, I'm maintaining that's the case. I have a a a guy I know who uh, is I think he's unfortunately a less frequent poster on the Spartan Mag boards now than he used to be. But he's somebody I know that I've actually met in real life, whose son is a member of the Yale basketball team. Yeah, and. So he he had watched a lot of Ivy League basketball, and he'd seen Llewellyn. And when they got Llewellyn, and I'm reading all this point guard stuff, and I I had vague memories of what he was at Princeton. And I, I asked him, I said, is he a point guard? And he said, absolutely not. Yeah. And that's kind of how it's been born out. 10 assists, 13 turnovers, right? And when he played last year before he got hurt, he didn't look like any kind of point guard to me. Now, in very low volume, since he's come back and been able to play, he shot the ball pretty well. That that actually was something that I think they had reason to think, well, he can help as a shooter. But um this was ill conceived from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, it really was. And the injuries have made it even worse, obviously, but it was never a good idea. Never. And 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 I, I hold this up as an example for these idiots who talk about well <laughs> Michigan State had scholarship slots just go bring it they think it's a video game yeah. it's not a video game you're dealing with real people and Michigan two years ago is an example of what happens I think I, I have to believe Michigan thought well we can add Llewellyn and then we've got him we've got a freshman in Doug we won't have to lean on very much because we got Frankie Collins too right, well no right. you don't Frankie Collins sees it, says, "Hey, my playing time's going to get eaten into. Maybe my role is going to is going to be uh, cut significantly. I don't want to be around for that." And he's out the door. Yep. that's reality. So it was a bad idea from the start, and the injuries have only made it worse. Uh, we're assuming he's the point guard here because, other than Doug, Llewellyn's the only guy. <laughs> no one else. else. Yeah. Who can even pretend to call himself one, even though he really isn't one? So they're in, they're in trouble with with this kind of setup. You know, I know they've been a, a decent to good offensive team this year, but most of that to date is with Doug McDaniel running right. the offense. Right. With in these situations, it, it, they're not the same team, and that's why we probably need to put a little bit of an asterisk by their offensive numbers when we think about this particular game, again, assuming that the suspension actually does apply to road games within the state of Michigan,
0: which we're assuming, but Hey, it's Michigan. So who knows? (laughs) I think, you know, this is the point about the transfers. And I, we mentioned this before, obviously you've talked about this many times, but you look at someone like, um, Kansas State is a great example. Well, I think you first start with Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker brings in Kenneth Walker, transforms a the team. They have a magical season, but it was clearly a smoke and mirrors in some ways because it was pretty much just Kenneth Walker because he leads in the teams, you know, pretty much the same team for the most part. And they're a completely different team and he never recovers despite re- leaning heavily on transfers the whole time. And I know people looking at Wisconsin, they say, they kept bringing AJ Store. Look, he turned a team that was pretty good or okay and they became a really really they became a very good team maybe the best team in the big 10 uh but it you know in some ways it's just it is there's an element of luck that's always the case even when you're bringing high school recruits to you look at kansas state last year this year they're they're net ranking 74 despite you know so it's not right. like there's i think people think that you can be a savant when it comes to transfers and you can bring the right people in and maybe but i think it's there's there's a there's more variability in there than people recognize and you can look at it and say, oh, we got that one guy. Well, there weren't, many, weren't that many people looking at AJ store or, you know, whomever it might be. Just He just happens to work and fit perfectly and has played better or whatever. So the thought that you can just do these things and it works out perfectly, I, you know, I think the, the proof is in the pudding. And it's, for the most part, it has not worked out for lots of teams. But like, as you say, it's- 50% of the teams win and 50% of them lose. I could spend hours talking yeah. about this,
1: and I'm, and, and I want to be very careful for the, especially for the um, comprehension challenged who may be hearing this. I am not anti-portal. as As a general principle, I think in a system where athletes are not being compensated, the idea that we also restrict their ability to choose where they wish to be much more strictly than we do regular students for example right. is is stupid and yeah. so we're, the right thing has happened actually the perfect thing the right well, maybe not perfect but the right thing to happen would be to compensate them and then once they're once they're actually being compensated you can put into place rules that govern um where they can you know th- their ability to move and and you get out of this perpetual the agency thing and i think that's what's going to happen for sure sooner or later yeah
0: Yeah, but but
1: we are where we are now and for all the ills of the transfer portal that tom Mizzo talks about i agree with him on a lot of them i think they're very obvious truths in what he says but none of that outweighs the the validity of the idea of them being able to do it so let's start with that and the next bit is for michigan state specifically who are you gonna to tell to leave off this team this year if you're gonna add someone? If here they said how much better would Michigan State be if they had AJ Storr instead of uh, instead of Jaden Akins. I don't think you would have found very many people anywhere in the college basketball world who would have made that trade in September or October. Right. Jaden yeah. Akins was seen as a guy ready to make a step up and a breakthrough. Um, A.J. Storr had a decent freshman, good freshman year at St. John's, was a highly regarded transfer, but he's played beyond even those expectations. Mm -hmm. Nobody was going to make that trade. But but even if they would have from a talent basis, the most important point is Tom Izzo has told you over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and and I could keep using that word till infinity, um, that he doesn't want to operate a transactional program. So he's not going to do it. Now, will he use the portal when there's a need on his roster to fill it as he has in the past? Yes, he will. If he had an exodus of players, if for some reason we have a a freshman or two from this year's class who decides to leave or one of the big men decides to go, body decides not to take his fifth year, you know, would he add maybe two guys in the portal this year yeah he's gonna he's gonna fill out a roster yeah but it's not ever going to be his preferred mode of operation he's just not going to do it because he doesn't want to have that kind of program and he's said it a hundred different ways (laughs) so i don't know why people are deluding themselves into even talking about it it's pointless
0: yeah well
1: uh, and that's apart from what we just said somebody's losing these games too man <laughs> and, and you point out, you make a good point with Kansas State. All the lot of you, the great, great job Jerome Tag did last year, assembling that roster virtually from scratch in the portal. What a wonderful season. Where are they at now? Same thing, same kind of approach because you know, all those guys left, or most of them did. Mm-hmm, right. What's happening now? You know, um, <laughs> no, it's like anything else in the world. Nothing is a panacea. People have these dreams, and and that's the last thing I'll say about it. It goes back to what we are talking about with Michigan, Frankie Collins and Llewellyn, to bring it back around to that. A lot of fans who don't understand how things actually are think that it's like a video game. And real life isn't like that. Why is it not like that? Because you're actually dealing with people. And people react to changed situations in ways that you might not like or even anticipate. Case in point, Frankie Collins leaving Michigan within like a day of them announcing that they signed Jaden Llewellyn. I honestly don't think Michigan's coaches saw that coming. They should have, but they didn't. They were thinking like guys playing a video game. And instead... Real-life Frankie Collins came along and said, I don't like this. See you
0: later. Well, let's go on to the next starter is Namari Burnett. What, speaking of transfers, 6'5", Alabama transfer, averaging 9.7 points a game, 4.6 rebounds a game, shooting 37, 33, and 75. Uh, one of the better players, he's uh, got 55 assists to 30 turnovers.
1: He's, you know, he helps mitigate the absence of Doug a little bit, but he's also not a real point guard. He's right. just a... A, a good secondary playmaker yeah it, you know i think this is what they hope what they hoped when they got him as i mentioned earlier burnett was a mcdonald's all-american very highly regarded player i believe out of the chicago area and michigan was in on him at a high school too didn't get him he went texas tech transferred out of there played a couple i believe a couple of years in alabama and now has come back around to michigan and i think You know, his career had been disappointing based on expectations. He wasn't a bad player, but just he wasn't the offensive player people had hoped. And I I think Michigan's hope was here he's going to be in a little bigger role. We're going to lean on him a little bit more. The hope would be that he grows into that, improves offensively, and also gives them a lockdown defender on the wing, something they did not have last year. And also good secondary playmaking. Um, The defensive part has not happened. I'm not going to blame their defense on him individually so much, but he clearly has, you know, when you're as bad as they are collectively, everybody's got to take some ownership, right? Yeah. Um, The offensive blossoming, I think early in the season, he was on kind of a heater shooting the three, I seem to remember, I'd have to go back to confirm this, but I seem to remember in November, December, he was actually, his numbers were actually pretty good shooting the ball. They've gotten back now to more, his offensive numbers are more or less, they're not too different than they were at Alabama last year. Sure. You know, so he sort of settled into at this stage, I think you kind of have to conclude, well, this is who he is. It wasn't just that he needed an opportunity to be closer to being the man to, to grow offensively. It's just, this is, this is what he is mm-hmm. on, on a good team. Namari, as he was last year with Alabama, um, Namaari Burnett would be a valuable guy, but he'd be a valuable guy as very much a role player. Right. And right. Michigan needs him to be more than that. And I'm not sure he's capable of it.
0: So then we move on to Terrence Williams, 6'6", senior forward. Uh, he has actually been very good this season He's averaging 12.7 points a game on 44, 42, and 80 shooting. Pulls down 4.3 rebounds a game. And has uh, always been a player who could was somebody you have to pay attention to, but seems to have really moved it up a little bit this season. He's He's been more consistent,
1: I think, with the jumper. He's shown flashes of it in the past, but he's been a steady three-point shooter. He's a big part. I think his emergence is a big part of why that offense has surprised some to the upside. He's definitely part of it. Um, you know, they, they coming into the season, there was a real concern, I thought. Like, okay, Burnett's going to play one wing. Who's going to mm-hmm. be the other one? And Because Terrence Williams has mostly been a four mm-hmm. in his right. Michigan career. But he's had to play the three. And now look, defensively, hey, it's, yeah. it's not great. But he's given them scoring. He's given them consistent perimeter shooting. And as a fourth-year guy, and um, you know, it's it's a career that maybe hasn't blossomed quite the way they thought it might. When he was a freshman, I think there was a thought that because he came in kind of ready to play and he was a contributor immediately. Um, I think there was a thought that hey, maybe they've got somebody who can um, can surprise a bit to the upside and be and be a really good player for them. He's never quite been that, but his sophomore, junior seasons were just dreadfully inconsistent yeah, and right. probably more bad than good so judged on that by those metrics i think this has been
0: a successful senior year for him then be the other big transfer the one much bellyhooed, olivier kamura 6 foot 10 out of tennessee averaging 16.3 points a game and 7.1 rebounds a game shooting 52 35 and 68 uh, and also has 53 assists to uh, 50 turnovers in 20 games.
1: Yeah, and so for a power forward, those aren't good for bad the four,
0: numbers.
1: Yeah. He's, look, it, uh, in terms of the scoring and the rebounding, I'm not sure that you could have reasonably expected a lot more than that. Right. Uh, you know, the shooting, this is, this is the thing, though. The knock on him from Tennessee people was inconsistency. He was a guy, you know, a lot of his reputation got made in that um, in Duke that game, game. They, that second-round game where they beat Duke, yeah. yeah. and Or was it a Sweet 16 game? I can't remember which. But um, he had a huge game against Duke. And the Tennessee people's reaction was, yeah, but the problem is we've seen that before. He'll <laughs> put 25 on somebody, and then the next night he scores two. That <laughs> hasn't been the case nearly as much this year. I think he's been pretty consistent but uh again the disappointment is this is a guy who was supposed to key serious improvement in your defense and that just has not happened and i think the other thing is that as a shooter you know he's kind of been who he always was this year he's a good you know 35% for a four-man From three is not a terrible number and he shoots enough of them so it's it's good volume too that's a real number it's not bad but it's not at that it's not quite at that level where say a joey hauser was last year where every time he gets an open look you're holding your breath yeah right it's not quite there it's it's somewhere in between okay and that you know and that's for this team that's just not enough but i think again the, the bigger the bigger thing is he's gotta own some level of the issues defensively because he was a guy who they they thought was gonna be a big part of a complete turnaround at that end. And in, instead it's gone much, much, much worse.
0: Yeah, and finally it'd be Terrace Reed, six foot ten sophomore, as you mentioned before, good defender last year. He's averaging eight point six points a game and six and a half rebounds a game, along with a little over a block a game, shooting fifty seven percent from the floor. But only fifty-eight percent from the line, which actually is better than last year. Uh, he if also you remember
1: is, last year he was in the thirties. Except when he I played believe. Michigan State,
0: I feel like when right. that game yeah. he shot like seventy some percent. Uh, not very good Handley ball. He's a turnover machine. Thirty-seven turnovers to just twelve assists.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I look. I still think there there are portions of the Michigan fan base that seem to be down on him. I still think that we are with two years of eligibility left at least that there's a reasonable chance that Terrace Reed is very decidedly a plus player down the line overall. I still believe that I can't account for the defensive regression because man, that was the thing last year that caught my eye is this is a legitimately big kid. Like he's a legit college five physically. But his footwork—that a guy his size was able to move that way, lateral movement, uh, you know, all of it—really, really impressed me. And I could, see, I could see why Michigan State had recruited him hard, why they wanted him, because like, yeah, that's that's the perfect Tom Mizzell big man—a guy who's big enough and and has the raw material at least to have a chance to be a legitimate post player on offense at some point but who you can play the way you want to play with on defense. You know, it's perfect. And I thought he'd be really good this year. I, I th- What I thought was, okay, he's going to take Dickinson's minutes. There's no way he's going to give him the scoring Dickinson did. But the totality of how he plays, it might not be as much of a drop-off as, as some think, because I think he's going to make them a lot better defensively. And right. couldn't have been further from the truth. <laughs> Offensively, He's kind of where I thought he'd be, which is he's not ready for prime time yet. He shows you potential, but he's not... He doesn't have great post moves just yet. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he can get stuff done because of his body, his strength. But, um, you know, he's not a great low post player.
0: Um, But the, the problem's been defense, man. I just did not see this coming. Well, since the top of the reserves is Will Cheddar, I think it's safe to say that one of these first five starters are the player that Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter who would that be
1: uh Kamuha for sure yeah I mean he's there he's there he's the top scorer among guys that are expected to play McDaniel actually leads them in scoring um and you know he's a veteran he's the guy who will be playing against Malik Hall presumably which will be important for Michigan at that end if they can slow down Malik um so yeah he's pretty clearly the guy I think
0: well, moving on to the reserves, Will Cheddar, 6'8", junior, averaging 7.2 points a game and 2.4 rebounds a game in about 18, 17 minutes, shoots 63, 59, and 70. So it's amazing if a guy shoots like that. Why is he not on the floor? Well, why do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, he look, he has offensively, he'd be another guy, although it's not nearly the volume that you put alongside Williams and say, well, you want to look at why they've surprised to the upside offensively. That's another guy who shot the ball finally because he was billed coming out of high school as yeah, a shooter. He's to be good, yeah. And he really wasn't very good early on at Michigan. But boy, those numbers are, are kind of eye popping, right? Yeah. But he can't guard anybody. He just can't guard anybody. And so that's that's not a winning combination, even with shooting numbers like that
0: sounds like he's going to transfer to Iowa. Uh, moving on to next reserve is B. Trey Jackson, 6 foot 10, Seaton Hall transfer, native of Detroit. He just was uh, injured so he's back playing uh, averaging 5.4 points a game and 2.6 rebounds a game in 16 minutes, but he didn't play much against Iowa, shooting 45 23 and 73. Yeah, they they brought him in for two reasons. They thought that he
1: from Seaton Hall, they thought that he could maybe give them some stretch Effect at the four and maybe even the five um, on offense that really hasn't panned out. But he was also a guy with a pretty good defensive reputation. That's <laughs> it all, and he has not proved. There were people that were seriously talking about this guy. I said the four and the five, but there were people who were talking about him as a potential starter at the three. And I think Terrence Williams saved them from that because I do not <laughs> think that would have gone well. And for a situation as bad as theirs, are you saying it could have been worse? I'm saying it could have been even worse.
0: Uh, next, we'll go to Jace Howard. That's Jace with one C. Six-foot-six senior. Uh, the other son who is not nearly as good. Uh, his brother's obviously NBA. So Jace averaging 2.8 points a game and one and a half rebounds a game in nine minutes, shooting 27, 29, and 75. He was recently injured, so he's actually been injured for a lot of the season. So this will only be his fifth game. And he's the one who is actually involved in the altercation with the strength and conditioning coach, or at least it's hard. It's not clear what happened, but it some had something to do with him, whether he was showing up late or something like that.
1: And them's the rumors. Yes. <laughs> that it was, it was a family thing that uh, got Juwan Howard involved. Um, yeah. Jay, Jace has just come back recently. Um, he's been out most of the year and, you know, he, he's always been a guy. I mean, he started off as a walk-on. He was certainly good enough to be a D1 player. So th- this isn't, and no knock on Steven Izzo, but this is not a Steven Izzo scenario. Right, yeah. He Even though played, he yeah. started as a walk-on, he could have, Jace Howard could have played somewhere at a lower level D1, but he wasn't a Big Ten caliber recruit like his uh, his brother Jet with 38 T's. Um i you know, he's a guy. I, he's never he's he's a player that earlier in his career I think showed signs of maybe being a, an effective energy guy for yeah, them. a try hard guy. Um, yeah. yeah, and there there could be a role for someone like that on your team, but I, I'm not
0: sure that it matters much on a team that's this bad. And finally George Washington, the third, freshman guard out of Ohio. They were really big on him, I know coming in. Six foot three, averaging seven minutes a game. Uh, scoring just barely a point a game on 25, 33, and 83 shooting.
1: Yeah, th- I mean, they they were they were glad to get him, but he was, I think he ended up, and I'd have to verify this, but I want to say he ended up maybe just outside the consensus top 100 high school recruiting. He he's an Ohio kid who started out, committed to Ohio State, then decommitted, ended up at
0: Michigan. Maybe that's why they excited about him because he left Ohio State for Michigan.
1: Yeah. But he I I from from the point that he got there and he, he started practicing during the offseason, uh, at least what I was seeing, there were not realistic expectations that he was going to come in and be a major player as a freshman. So the way his season has gone has not been a surprise. I the sense I got is that they felt like maybe down the line you could get something like an eli brooks kind of level where yeah. you know good two-way player not a star but guy could make you some shots he can guard well um you know help with ball handling a little bit you know kind of a versatile a versatile guy um it's just too early to tell i think how it's going to pan out for him at michigan because it's been a very muted impact they i do think we will see him in this game. Whereas if it was a game that McDaniel was playing in that, that would be maybe a little less likely.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, but I think out of necessity, they just don't have many guards. So I think we'll see them.
0: All right. So brought to you by the squeegee squad of Grand Rapids is the Michigan State player that cleans the glass best. Currently you've had four in a row. So you're up four, three and I get to pick first this time. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Marty and hopefully this time he pulls through for me. All right,
1: I'm going with. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Malik Hall, no surprise. Yeah. Uh, the, sort of they like... seem to be our, the one and two guys pretty much every week, yeah, and for good much. reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I don't know, do you know the story about Mati had a family member pass away, and then it was, uh, he didn't tell the team until after the game? I guess yeah, I, mean, his, I missed that story. Yeah, it was his, gran-
1: his grandmother, who I believe was in her 90s. Oh, okay. I saw a photo i saw a photo of him talking to her uh i assume maybe his last trip home during this past off sure. season okay um but yeah it's you know a good reminder if, if you needed one that again not a video game these are real people
0: real people real and, things happening in their lives right yes. right yeah and as again that's from this brought to you by the squeegee squad of grand rapids uh, they you can find links to on our page, to the support page. Again, the final four is on the com slash support. You get a link for uh, 15% off your estimate if you're in the Grand Rapids area, but their area is pretty big. I mean, they cleaned the windows of the Capitol, the state Capitol, not long ago, which is pretty cool. Uh, they are, but they can do any sort of job. Obviously they can do the big jobs like a state capital. They can do small jobs like your house or your business, maybe a high rise, whatever it might be. They can be the ones to do that, do it for you. They'll get the inside, the outside of your house, they'll power wash it. Whatever you need done, they will do it. And let me tell you, they were the nicest people when they came at our house. Super thorough. Uh, and you know, I can actually I thought I could see out of my windows fine, but now like I've had my screens that are clean, which I didn't really recognize how not clean my screens were. <laughs> and so it's it made a huge difference. And so I appreciate the work they did. And I'd recommend to anyone else listening to the show, too. So again, the Screechy squad of Grand Rapids. All right, so the five keys of the game brought to you by the Nudge Printing. And Nudge Printing is sponsoring the trivia question for a free hoodie. So it's free to enter. All you need to do is just go to this website and answer the trivia question. And then you can be entered in the drawing. Everyone who enters in the drawing at least wins $5 gift gift card to Nudge Printing. So you can't lose. It's like, it's free money, right? So go to nudgeprinting.com slash or on our support page you can go and click to get to the uh, page which is, leads to the trivia question and the trivia question is march 4 2000 michigan state won 114 to 63 so a 51 point victory over a team where mateen cleaves set the single season and big 10 record for most assists in one game at 20 which team did michigan state beat that day we're not looking up to find out if you're cheating. This is, I guess, I guess you could just say this is an open book test. Maybe that's a good way of putting this. Uh, so you can certainly look that up. Uh, you have to have your answer in by the beginning of the Michigan game. So we're going to announce the winner after the Michigan game. So you have to figure out who Michigan State was playing and beat by 51 that day. And if you haven't figured out by now, I don't know. Get on Google or something. <laughs> so you get some great quality gear from Nudge Printing. If you want to check out the other selection, go to nudgeprinting.com. You can get 20% off your order if you type in Final Four and the coupon code. And we have a ton of uh, stuff. As I mentioned to you before, Nudge Printing is the one they opened up the store for us. And so you can get logo gear, all kinds of selection there too. So you just go to that. And that is easily linked on our uh, support page as well. And then uh, you can get the t shirts hoodies, whatever it is that those orders have to be in within about a week and a half. And again, all the high quality stuff that you're used to getting from Nudge Printing. So they sponsor the five keys of the game. So what are they? Number one, guarding the arc. So we obviously heard that Michigan has if the one thing they do well offensively is shoot the three.
1: Yeah, the, this is this is a team where it, it, it's situation where, and you know, you're surprised to be saying it about a Big Ten opponent, but um, it's. Three-point shooting is an area where a lesser team can hang around and sort of even the odds, right, Right. against an opponent that's superior to them. But if you get enough production from three, you can make up a lot of ground in other areas. It can cover for a lot of bills. And Michigan has proven to be a team that can shoot well from three. Now, it's important to note, without McDaniel, and I actually – I should take a quick look. So let us do that. How are they shooting Real without McDaniel? <laughs> yeah, because I I didn't do it, and I should have.
0: They had him Saturday, um, and they still lost to Iowa.
1: <laughs> yeah, they've definitely still been losing, but I want to see, because it's... And again, it's not just about um, his his shooting, but also what he creates for right. teammates. So how much better... So, it'll be interesting to tell here. And I got to go down all the way down here to find Michigan buried down here in the 80s on Ken Palm.
0: So, um, I'll try to do that here real quickly. But and while you're looking that up, I just, you know, the one thing I'd say is it, about this game. And I don't want to say that it's a must win game in the sense that, you know, this is put, but because of Michigan State and the way they've been playing. And, you know, the opportunities to get really good quality wins. A lot of these games that we think they're games they should win are ones that they kind of almost in many ways have to win, right? Because, I, th- you know, your opportunities for getting real high quality wins are pretty low at this point. Just Illinois at home and then at Purdue and, you know, maybe a couple, maybe at Indiana or something like that might be worth something. But uh, it just makes me a little bit more nervous about these. I'm always nervous for the Michigan game because weird stuff happens in yeah. rivalry games. And so that yeah. always is the case. But it feels like it'd be... A very not only painful in the sense that you're losing to Michigan, but also that it, it'd be pretty significant if you were to lose to Michigan. Uh, so these games are more important in that sense, you know, if you know what I mean, just because you haven't built up a bank of wins. There's no question. Okay. So
1: granted, this is Purdue at Mackey Arena. They went nine for 29, 31%. Um, so, well, there haven't been many. I think the only other away game, so that would be ones without, um, without Doug was at Maryland and they were 5 for 15 oh, in so that game missed, for they were 33 yeah so 30 33 and 31% in the two games they've played without him so that tells you that um yes it's probably having an effect but yeah. even even with that said it, the point still stands you cannot let Michigan allow you cannot allow their three point shooting to keep them afloat in this game
0: next key the game is live ball turnovers which means steals Michigan has been very susceptible to opponent steals and that's what they're playing
1: (laughs) yeah it's they they give up um they give up some I think that's something that we've seen Michigan State actually be pretty effective with at times this year where uh, particularly in situations where you have a guard attempting to penetrate and a help defender is able to come over and get a strip. That's been something that's um, that they've done, uh, executed reasonably well. And I think they're going to be, again, no Doug McDaniel, so who are the guys that are going to be trying to do this? They're going to be guys like Namari Burnett, Jaden Llewellyn, maybe George Washington III. You would think that there will be an opportunity to get that done in yep. this game. And if you can, that's going to help everything. That's going to help you get out in transition, you know, should lead these to your baskets, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Third key to the game is defensive rebounding. Michigan isn't a good offensive uh, offensive rebounding team. They rank th- 93rd, but, uh, you know, Michigan State has, <laughs> has shown an inability to defensive rebound a lot. Uh, they and Michigan's better than Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, eight Michigan stayed up at the boards. Wisconsin is ranked, I believe, 16 spots lower than Michigan.
1: And <laughs> they tattooed MSU the other night. So we've seen this play out where teams that aren't top 20 offensive rebounding groups fare better against Michigan State than teams that are. And it's another surefire way. You want to let a bad opponent stay in the game with you? Let them get second chances. Yeah. So, Mich- and, and that's the thing. For all Michigan's problems, one thing that there's problems with their roster, I mean, one thing that's absolutely true is they're big. You, you look at this team, the, the starting lineup alone, they're going to roll out 6-5 and 6-6 on the wings, mm-hmm. and then 6-10, 6-10 inside. And Trey Jackson, 6'10", off the bench. Uh, Shedder is 6'8". You know, there's some, there's some size there. And that's something that Michigan State has got to be able to counter. You, you cannot let Michigan find ways to hang around by getting second and third opportunities.
0: Fourth key to the game is pace, which we say virtually every game. Although interestingly, you know, we don't say every game is AJ, which we used to say every game before, so well, that's kind of gone away.
1: Yeah, he's but 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 pace is related to him. Because I was going to
0: say it's related to him. Yeah,
1: it's it's first and foremost, it falls on his shoulders to make sure that Michigan State is playing at the pace they need to, which means generally fast. Uh, we talked about maybe getting some steals defensively is one way they can get into transition. Uh, obviously controlling the defensive boards we talked about that with coach garland that and we've talked about it earlier in the season it's not even just solely getting defensive rebounds it's getting clean defensive rebounds right that enables you to get your transition game going and then of course we know msu will look to run off made baskets i think michigan to say the least when you're ranked where they are is an undisciplined defensive team so yeah. Should Michigan State be able to get transition opportunities in this one? You would think so. You would think so.
0: Number five, under control.
1: Yeah, and and here's what I mean by this. We know Michigan State has gotten off to a a start they would prefer were were different. Oh, you know, in the season overall and Big Ten play. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, try- they're looking to win this game to get back to 500 in the league at the halfway point. That's not where anybody – I'm sure it's not where they thought they'd be. It's not where I thought they'd be. Probably not where you thought they'd be. Probably not where many, if any, of our listeners thought they would be. But it's where they are. And and you got a rival coming in, and it's a rival that's wounded. And one of the things you would be a little concerned about, although it's going to be tougher at Breslin, but one of the things you'd be concerned about is – Michigan's got very little left to play for this year. But one thing that that is left to play for in this game is the fact that they could take a big chunk out of their rival season, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm expecting that they're going to throw everything they've got at this from an effort and energy. We have not seen that be very good for Michigan this year. They've not been a particularly energetic or tough or focused team. I'm expecting, at least in the beginning stages, I'm expecting we're going to see a better effort in those regards from them in this game. It would be wise to, to expect that. But it's your rival. And so, there's, so it's easy to understand how there could be a tendency for Michigan State to want to do too much in a game like this, right? And that's another way you let Michigan find itself in a game is if you're trying to do too much, you're, you're trying to view this as more than just one game. And it's, and it's rare I talk about it this way. You know, usually a Michigan-Michigan State game, we are talking about controlling your emotions, but emotions are still a big part of it, you know? You need yeah. to be a little jacked up. This one, I really feel like it behooves Michigan State to, as much as they can, not try to make this thing be worth more than it actually is right it's one game it's a game they need but it's one game play within yourself don't don't let yourself um get suckered into trying to get try to do too much and then find yourself with a problem because of that yeah that makes sense and that goes to everything that goes to not trying to make home run passes that goes to being responsible defensively not taking chances because you're looking to make a big interception or a big block and you get yourself out of position you know yep it's all of those things don't let the emotions carry you too far outside of the spot you need to be in
0: yeah absolutely all right well i think we'll leave it there uh, again tom is looking for a 700th career win so i suspect you would get this and but to your point Probably need to treat this more like Penn State coming in, just to make get business done, and then certainly can have fun uh, maybe at the end of yep. the game, see a little Tom, yep. a little uh, Stephen Izzo action if we if things go well. Uh, again, visit our sponsors. That's the Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com, Brothers just Your Gutters at brothersgutters.com, and the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids. And I can that's a long website, so just go to our support page and you can <laughs> and click through there uh, if you want to support the show. Again, that's a good place to go. Again, this our, the store is open for a little bit, so you can until February fifth, so you can get your our logo gear, and you can also enter the the trivia question to win a free hoodie at, at Nudge Printing by answering the question about which team Michigan State beat by fifty one points, where Mateen Cleaves set the single season, or sorry, the Big Ten and Michigan State single game record for assists at twenty. Which team they beat, and there you have to have that answer in by the Michigan game. All right, no more hints. All right. <laughs> So again, until next time, the final four is not the schedule. Go green.